Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. week ends with the quarterbacks my rankings plus Hayden's rankings equals this combined list um before we get started Hayden you've taken the hard stance since the first week of drafts this summer that this year 2023 is the time to prioritize early round quarterbacks why I did a video on this so go watch that uh but basically it comes down to this before 2018 there were 12 NFL seasons ever where a quarterback averaged more than 23.2 fantasy points. Since 2019, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson are doing that at least over four different seasons. And the difference is the best passing quarterbacks in the league also happen to run. That's where you get the big advantage in fantasy land. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, all they do is run. And just even since the last uh, two seasons, the elite quarterbacks have accounted for 69% of the spike weeks where you finish quarterback one, two, or three. And if you look at that, Justin Fields only was a baller for one, one year. Jalen Hurts has only been a baller for one year. Justin Herbert didn't do anything last year. And Trevor Lawrence, a top seven quarterback, has only done this for one year. So there's a chance that that 69% number could even go higher. And then the last note I had, best ball advance rate for the top seven quarterbacks in ADP, 24% in best ball media one then 17%, then 22%. The baseline's at 16%. So every single year has at least been average to really good. Yeah, the quarterback landscape has changed. And your point, and we're going to talk about it a lot throughout the show on rushing importance for quarterbacks. It is like a sliding scale, but it is amazing that every single elite quarterback has the creativity in their feet, in their legs to do something that equals fantasy points mm-hmm. for us. You know, it doesn't have to be Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson. It can be a couple rushing scores and 30 rushing yards, and that makes a major, major difference. If you haven't checked it out, we've done this same show tiers for running backs and wide receivers as well. So hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up. We greatly, greatly appreciate all of the new viewers to the channel. All right, let's kick it off. With tier one, and by the way, we're focusing in on 16 names. We have an entire video devoted to our favorite late round sleepers, uh, round 10 and plus at each position, especially at quarterback. So go and watch that if you want some of these later names, a deep dive on those. We'll kick it off with our quarterback one. It's it's Jalen Hurts. Not being drafted as it in every single place, but as simple as it sounds, 20 carries inside the five-yard line last year. That's second most in the NFL. And the rule has not changed, where you can just be pushed from the backside and, you know, Crossing the goal line stands out to me too. Hayden is that this Eagles offense has an answer for everything at every level of the field, the running game off of that RPOs tight end passes. Then when you stack the box, boom, we get vertical shots to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside. And he's been dominating for the last year without putting up any numbers in the fourth quarter, only 2.7 completions in the fourth quarter. They were dead last in production, passing production in the first quarter, uh, like think about like the bear season, they were still ahead of the Eagles. So that's where you call this the re- regression proof. And 
Jalen Hurts, to me, is still in development a little bit when it comes to passing. His 4.8% touchdown rate, I think, has a chance to go up. The Eagles were just 24th in pass attempts as a team last year, even though that they're top five in pace and pass rate in neutral situations. So the, the push isn't going anywhere. The weapons aren't going anywhere. The offensive line's not going anywhere. The aggressive identity isn't going anywhere. So really, in the third round of fantasy drafts, you're basically buying into this floor but even the ceiling case he was still top 12 in fantasy points over replacement according to my metrics out there uh so i just think he's like the safest fantasy asset in the league and if you can get that in the third round i will not pass that up you know for the audio listeners and all of you that check out every single one of our youtube videos you hate us talking about how the eagles are regression proof and i'll use this phrase again it's because they haven't pulled that fourth quarter lever yet um, Rich Rebar had this incredible stat that Jalen Hurts threw just 60 passes in the fourth quarter all season. That was the same number as Cooper Rush last year. <laughs> like, what? When when we get closer games, it's just going to mean those first, second, and third quarter points that added up in your fantasy totals last year get spread out to the fourth quarters next season. Okay, our quarterback two, Patrick Mahomes. I'll lead with this, and I don't want to sound negative here, but per beat writers, his current starting three wide receivers in training camp right now are Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky yeah. Moore, and Justin Watson. Should we care? I mean, we should care to some degree because we have some other absolute aliens that are right next to him and like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson up next. So I was actually tinkering, maybe putting Patrick Mahomes a little bit down, but like kind of the Jalen Hurts conversation, there is a floor with Patrick Mahomes because he's Patrick Mahomes. His five-year pace, uh, if you're extrapolating over a 17-game season, 5,100 yards, 41 touchdowns. I mean, that's just ludicrous stuff. They were first in neutral pass rate, third in pace last year, despite having really bad wide receivers. So this isn't like new a new thing that Mahomes doesn't have good wide receivers. He really dealt with it last year. Offensive tackles look in a good spot. There are some downside risks with, with Travis Kelsey. So I would say this is probably like the worst Patrick Mahomes is projected like going into the season, just like the safety net. But at the same time, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. And what I love is Kansas City continues to add to their offensive line. Obviously, Orlando Brown moves on. They go and sign Jawan Taylor. They bring in, you know, Donovan Smith, who was part of a Super Bowl winning team. And maybe his play has declined a little bit. But what you get with Patrick Mahomes is obviously insane, out-of-structure plays. And that's what everyone gets attached to. But to me, that almost overlooks just how capable and confident and precise and his timing inside of structure as well. And look, if nothing happens to Travis Kelsey, we too we do get this team's, you know, number one option. And they just have horses for courses with everything else in terms of certain situations, certain packages, down and distance, so on and so forth. I mean, he's in complete command every mm -hmm. single time. And uh, like you said, even with the supporting cast being better for some of these other teams, I can't rake them lower than this. Can't do mm -hmm. it. Quarterback three, Josh Allen. Weird dynamic last year, a little bit. Elbow injury. They keep saying they want to take some of the pressure off of him. What's your view of Josh Allen heading into 2023? I might move him up to my quarterback, too, after kind of just like analyzing how intense his elbow injury was. If you remove the five games after his elbow injury, he averaged 26 fantasy points per game. That's outrageous. To that point, Hayden, just two games under 20 fantasy points last season. And that's including all the games of the bad elbow. It's outrageous. And it's not even just the elbow injury. Like Gabe Davis was missing some time. The offensive line was kind of uh, rotating players around. They were still second in EPA 
even with all this nonsense. And they were like the worst team when it comes to turnover rate in the NFL. The fact that they were still this efficient on a per drive basis, despite the injuries and despite the like unlucky turnovers is a credit to Josh Allen becoming an actually good passer. Not somebody that panics under pressure anymore. Obviously still can create. He had a career high 7.8 carries per game. I think that they're going to be trying to change this offense a little bit. And that kind of scares me just because of like any change when you're already in the lead offense uh, gives me a little bit of pause, but man, when he's cooking, he's really cooking my better and best ball stats, the fantasy points over replacement per game. He was sixth uh, two years ago. He was 14th last year. So he's another one of these guys like Jalen hurts. If he's sitting in the third round, it's so hard for me to pass him up. And I'm still not even afraid if I don't even have Steph Diggs, I'll draft Josh Allen and then I'll go figure out if I want Gabe Davis or Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knox or just none of them just let Josh Allen run uh, over people in the in the goal line once again. Yeah, he's one of those unique talents in the league that can just simply take over games like an avalanche that then just buries opponents. On that note, though, I, I do want to mention what you talked about, where it sounds like maybe some of the responsibilities, especially the rushing, they do want to take it a little bit from him because he had six rushing touchdowns last year inside of the red zone. This team brought in both Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. One of those players is going to be kept to be a short yardage inside the 10-yard line mm-hmm. vulture. They also brought in Dalton Kincaid to you know be better in the red zone in terms of passing stats. So like, what if those six rushing touchdowns in the red zone drop down to, I don't know, just about two because they're not doing, you know, quarterback sweeps and quarterback power and all right. this stuff for him to, you know, barrel into the end zone a la Cam Newton. It, it, it does seem like one of these tropes though, where in the off season, it sounds nice to tell Josh Allen to stop doing things. And then all of a sudden there's 11, 250 pound men trying to tackle right. him and he's going into beast mode. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And look, the offensive line didn't play great last year. Gabe Davis was hampered for like three quarters of the season. Uh, You add Deontay Hardy in, which is a different element that they really prioritized in free agency and gave him a good contract to maybe uh, make some more explosive and splash plays down the field. Excited for the Bills. Okay. A lot of people would stop here for tier one. You made a note to me that we need to include Lamar Jackson here as the fourth quarterback in tier one. Why? The floor isn't as high because Lamar Jackson's been missing some time. Um, but the ceiling, and we're, we always talk about on this channel, we're playing for first place in our leagues and especially for best ball. Lamar Jackson's got that ceiling. Just to pull this up, these are just fantasy points uh, per game. If you're looking at it since 2019, he's one of those four quarterbacks that's averaged at 23 points or above. He was not good last year. He started off hot. Then the wide receiver group, I mean, they were running out some terrific wide receivers out there. And that looks much better. The offensive play caller looks better so when it comes to pace and pass rate and the the weapons around him and just his if you just like zoom out we're still talking about the player in the prime of his career with the best weapons of his career this is one of the players that if you told me he's a top five top 10 overall fantasy asset or a league mvp if you can get him in the fourth round i would not be surprised can you pull up those averages again because they are slightly skewed by what he did back in 2019 where he averaged 28.1 fantasy <laughs> points per game mm-hmm. and then over the last couple of years it's been 20.3 21.1 um but as weird as this sounds and it's going to sound like hyperbole to all of you the loss of rashad bateman last year like really did change things after those first three yeah. games i mean he had 12 touchdowns in the opening three games. And then after that, they didn't have a single player that could win opposite of Mark Andrews when they mm-hmm. did get isolated coverage, when they did have someone down the field. 
And so you weigh that where, sure, it's a three-game sample we're talking about. And also, back in 2019, when he did have 28 points as the MVP of the league, and granted, this is a different offense, and maybe they he will run less, so on and so forth. But I just think they're going to be able to crush opponents in many different ways now. If it is the rushing game, if it is attacking more blades of grass, if it is three wide receivers or two tight ends or whatever it is, I'm excited to see what we can get here to go along with a healthier offensive line because I think the precision part of Lamar Jackson's game isn't discussed enough, and I think Mm -hmm. it's been highlighted more often this season. And when he was having those down years between the MVP season and last year, the offensive line had some freaky injuries. That seems like we've settled that right now. And the other thing is when you go to three wide receiver sets, what happens with the quarterbacks? I'm not expecting as much like designed quarterback runs, but when you start scrambling in yep. three wide receiver sets, Lamar Jackson's yards per carry and stuff will be astronomical because now you have downfield weapons. And if you're going to play man defense against that, Lamar Jackson's going to run like crazy. So even if the offense is changing, I'm not expecting Lamar Jackson's rushing production to drop. So I would not be surprised if he finishes the quarterback one or quarterback two this year. Tier two is kicked off by Joe Burrow. Dealing with a calf injury right now, and calf injuries have hampered players at multiple positions in previous years. Dak Prescott just a couple years ago with the Dallas Cowboys. Crossing my fingers that Joe Burrow is going to be healthy by week one um, because he had a tale of two halves of last season too. Well, let's talk about week six. That's when you know his, his season really flipped against the New Orleans Saints. They changed their offense. It was less turn your head to the defense, deep play action, and more just like, hey, shotgun everything. I'm going to look pre-snap, post-snap, and pick things out. And after that, he had six games of 23-plus points and three games of 30-plus points. Um, added Orlando Brown. So hopefully this offensive line went from worse in the league to average and maybe now average to maybe slightly above average. Yeah, he's figured out the offensive line to a degree. The Also, the AFC North offenses look way better. This is, an, this is a division that can have some freaky shootouts um, because I think all four of the offenses look better this year. Uh, Joe Burrow is wor- worried a little bit. The tight ends look worse. The running backs do look worse. That calf injury scares me a little bit. But what happened with Joe Burrow last year is he at least got a little bit of his rushing production back uh, coming off the ACL. His yards per game jumped by about 10 yards. He went from two to five rushing touchdowns. But that's kind of like he, this is the tier. And the reason why he's not up above is the rushing production just doesn't match. And the quarterbacks in the tier above him will come close to some of the passing numbers that he has. So I think that he's kind of stuck in this tier two range. Um, I understand if you're going to be stacking with them, but he is one of these guys where if I don't have T Higgins or Jamar chase, I basically will never draft Joe Burrow. Justin Fields, our quarterback six. Some weeks when you had Justin Fields last year, it it won your matchup point blank Mm -hmm. period. I mean, he rushed for 1,143 yards in 15 games And he's a different type of runner than these others where, hey, if it goes for 20 or 25 yards, if you're Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen, he can take it 60, 65 yards plus a touchdown on top of that, which is, you know, a difference in 9, 10, 11 points. Mm -hmm. Um, There are still major areas that Justin Fields needs to work on, and I'm sure we'll get into those in a moment. But this team worked on specific areas too, namely bring in DJ Moore when bouncing from the number one overall pick. Yeah, to, to me, the DJ Moore is the headliner, but quietly they have a left tackle going into year two. They seem like they are very bullish on him. They signed Nate Davis, a veteran guard. He's going to add some stability there. They draft Darnell Wright, who's like a high upside first round right tackle over there. And 
the major major issue with Justin Fields is every single time he's under pressure, he actually gets sacked. So it's kind of twofold. You get a wide receiver that he can lock on in the first read and throw the ball because he's actually going to be able to create separation. Also, he's going to be able to hold up behind probably a better offensive line. So some of these disaster drives hopefully gets a race and that can kind of create a baseline. Justin Field is very unlikely that he's going to have as many 60 yard rushing touchdowns just because like that's like so insane. But at the same time, how many 4.4 40 yard dash uh, quarterbacks have we ever seen in the NFL? So this is one of the players where like if you look at his Ohio State numbers, the ceiling as a passer is certainly there. So I am fine drafting Justin Fields and I actually have him ranked ahead of Joe Burrow. And he's one of these guys Mm -hmm. where I don't need to stack him necessarily. Also, during the mini buy, we got a slight change in the offense. I mean, more designed runs. They actually wouldn't just run in the red zone. They allowed him to throw in the red zone, too. So getting that for an entire season is going to help from week one to week 17 on top of it. I do, again, want to highlight the the pressures to sacks, though, because he is by far and away the worst in NFL history over his first two years in the league. And it's not just losing yards. And that's a negative. Truly, when you look at it, when a quarterback is sacked in a drive, it tanks the outcome of that drive for your team. I mean, Mm -hmm. you are less likely to score points by about half as many occurrences uh, when your quarterback is sacked in in any given drive. So uh, fewer sacks just equal more points. I know that's simple math. But that is an area, again, that needs to change here for Justin Fields. And when they did tinker with that offense from week six on, he only trailed Hertz and Mahomes in fantasy points per game. Love that. Love that. Okay. Sticking in this tier, Justin Herbert is up next. I keep previewing it, hinting at it. Next week, the new launch of Scheme. And it focuses in on Justin Herbert plus Kellen Moore and what that combination is going to be. And I can't wait because last year we were all disappointed when we drafted Justin Herbert. I mean, he was drafted as the quarterback five and finished as the quarterback 18 in points per game. So lots of changes healthier along the offensive line. But to me, it is going to be the play design and that play design equaling explosive plays to take advantage of the strength that Justin Herbert has in comparison to other quarterbacks. That is the real kicker here. I think we'll look back at this 2022 season for Herbert as like a career worst year that just like completely looks outrageous. If you just like his efficiency as a rookie and then in, back in 2021, he was up there like top five in a lot of these stats. He always had insane spike weeks as a fantasy quarterback because he can run a little bit and they play fast over in LA last year, Rayshon Slater, their left tackle. He misses basically the entire year. Keenan and Mike Williams are playing through injuries. They're missing time. Now you throw in Quentin Johnston. And I really just think Kellen Moore is going to unlock a lot of the play calling, but really just they need to throw the ball downfield and having Mike Williams in the lineup, having Quentin Johnson in the lineup, Justin Herbert being able to sit there in the pocket a little bit longer while he's not dealing with this rib injury. To me, it's not even the offensive coordinator that's going to make the difference. Like, just all of the injury luck is going to swing back in their favor. And Justin Herbert has a lot of room for growth when it comes to just yards per attempt and touchdown rate. And I think that just throwing the ball downfield is going to vault all those numbers up. Even uh, last year, 3.6% touchdown rate, his two years prior. 5.2 5.2 and 5.7. So he looks way better with Rayshon Slater on there. And I just think that last year was kind of a year that we can basically completely throw out. Yeah. It, it was one of those situations where if he was pressured or not, um, if it was play action or not, 
his a dot was near the bottom of the league so no matter what the situation was they were just hindered by mm-hmm. by the play calling and to me that's not a quarterback stat here even though and you'll see next week at times and it's probably because of the trust he had lack thereof in his offensive line he got to his check down too damn quickly okay i feel great about that top seven but we continue on with this next tier and it's honestly in May and June, the player that I was drafting the most out of all these quarterbacks, it's Deshaun Watson. He's going as quarterback nine. You, we both have him as quarterback eight. Want to point blank say that it was an abysmal season, abysmal season last year for Deshaun Watson. But we've seen great seasons in the past. They bring in not only Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Donovan Peoples-Jones now go along with David Njoku. This team is going to run a ton of 11 personnel. It's just naturally, am I too optimistic to say he's going to turn around to Texans level performances? I, I think that could be a little bit bold, but it's certainly possible and why I'm also on him. If you just like extrapolate his four year career with the Texans across 17 games, he's on pace for 4,600 yards, 33 touchdowns, and then another five touchdowns on the ground, another 530 rushing yards. Last year, if you just took those numbers, that would be fourth in the league, fourth in the league, sixth sixth in the league, and fifth in the league. Pretty impressive stuff. So that's the upside. I think that last year, he said that his timing was off because he wasn't able to practice. There was obviously everything. But he was, was able to practice. Right. You know, no, it was an excuse. He was it's able to go through training camp and do all Correct. this. Stuff. It's not like he was just dismissed from the team, you know? And that's why we rank him eighth instead yes. of fifth right yes. now. So there's, that's, there's the downside risk here. Uh, but at the same time, I think the offense that he was running late last season, especially in those weather games, they played like three or four games where it was like 40 degrees, windy and all that stuff. That's kind of part of the program in Cleveland. They're going to be playing way faster, more 11 personnel because of because uh, of their personnel changes. So I think there's a lot going for Deshaun Watson this year. He's just the floor is way lower, obviously, because he played like shit last year. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is next as our quarterback nine, and he ends this tier. Just hilarious to me that, People were questioning if he was a bust like through six weeks of last season. He has an arm to make every single throw at every level of the field. He's an aggressive passer. He creates when things aren't going according to plan, play in and play out, and movement to not let pressures turn into sacks. And he plays with so much confidence, man. He just had to be reeled back in certain situations, and especially like inside the 20-yard line against that Chargers team and so on and so forth. What I love is second half of last year, this team really hit its skis, like it, it it hit its peak. And now there's continuity that they've built on with Doug Peterson. And on top of that, they've added what we think is potentially a premier wide receiver talent in Calvin Ridley to fill the holes that were still evident in this offense. Yeah, he's so good at avoiding pressure and he scrambles more than you'd think. The upgrade for Calvin Ridley, I think, is going to make a massive difference in their downfield throws. And he is also one of these guys that has room for improvement across the board the one difference i have with trevor lawrence versus these other guys this offensive line really does truly scare me i mean i'm going to pull this up right here tackles two new tackles two new tackles very little experience brandon sheriff their best offensive lineman he had his career worst year last year they're going to be possibly starting a third rounder at center i mean their left guard is one of the worst in the league it's just one of these where like they put a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence to figure this out. I do trust the coaching staff and these weapons in Trevor Lawrence himself, but if there was going to be a fatal flaw that makes Trevor Lawrence kind of as a back-end quarterback one instead of the upside quarterback one that he can be, 
I think this is the first quarterback I would look at that offensive line and be like, this could be an absolute problem. So far, give or take one or two slight changes. We are with ADP through, you know, these top nine quarterbacks. You all can draft them right now on Underdog Fantasy. We just launched a $75 tournament, but for all of you other people, there's going to be three and $5 tournaments the rest of the summer as well, with the headliner being Best Ball Mania 4, which you can win multi-millions of dollars. If you've never drafted Best Ball, now is the time to do it. All that you do is draft. That's it. We set your optimal lineup for you each and every week. So click the link in the description and we'll match your first deposit up to $100. All right. Should we get frisky? Let's do it. Okay. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Tier three leads off with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, we got to do it. Being drafted as quarterback 12. We have him as quarterback 10. No risk it. No biscuit, Hayden. Tell the people why. So I looked at eight rookie quarterbacks who had 75 rush attempts as a as a rookie. They finished as the quarterback three, five, seven, eight, eight, eight. And then you had Vince Young and Deshaun Kaiser at 19 and 23. So this is a game where is Anthony Richardson closer to Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, or is he closer to Vince Young and Deshaun Kaiser? And that's basically what you're trying to tell yourself right now. But the good news is, the Panthers or the the Colts are giving him first team reps, and this they've had this plan not just from the the press conferences at the draft when they hired this coaching staff from the get go, and they had the quarterback coach that was coaching Kyler and Cam Newton. They got the offensive coordinator and and head coach that's coming right from Jalen Hurts. They had a vision, and they are trying to execute that vision. So I'm at least optimistic that the Colts have a plan in place, and they're going to let Anthony Richardson cook. So you just have to go watch our video on Anthony Richardson, and you make yourself uh, your take if Anthony Richardson has some skills or doesn't. I think both of you and I think that he has a chance to be one of the best. He's not raw. He's just inexperienced. And I'll just have some cliff notes of the longer video that we've had on Anthony Richardson. Um, where we talked about with Justin Fields, they let pressures turn into sacks. Anthony Richardson was pressured on a class high 37% of his dropbacks last year and was sacked on a class low 10.1% of those pressures. His pocket movement, to me, means he is not going to fail at the NFL level. I don't want to make it that binary, and I understand that on passes less than 10 yards down the field, that's where he's at his weakest. But I think that this team is just going to live with the growing pains that there's going to be games of, I don't know, 150 passing yards and maybe an interception or two. 
But in those games, he also might have 80 rushing yards and a touchdown, and that gets to balance all this stuff out. Uh, and, you know, he's not going to a team devoid of talent, even if even if Jonathan Taylor isn't on this roster in week one. Like, I think a combination of Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs with this coaching staff can be good enough for a rookie to succeed, especially one with the insane athleticism, the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen enter the NFL to get us fantasy points. Maybe not win losses, but fantasy points. Yeah, I completely agree there. And when we go throughout the rest of tier three, you'll notice that it's kind of hard to find true upside from this tier. So especially in your redraft league where you can just go pick up the quarterback 15 after week two or three after looking at how Anthony Richardson looks, this guy at least has a chance to be a top five, top six, top seven quarterback. Everything would have to go right for him, but there at least is a chance. And I'm not sure if like we're going to see too much from like Kirk Cousins now. Yeah, I mean, he can change the scope of the fantasy season compared to the other quarterbacks that are being drafted after him. I think mm-hmm. that's fair to say. All right, the next one who is being drafted after him for us is Dak Prescott as quarterback 11. Offensive changes, no Zeke Elliott. You add Brandon Cooks. I would say because of his own doing, there's been a lot of conversation that, oh, Mike McCarthy's just going to run the ball 29 times per game. Maybe, but like when you go back and look at when Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were together in Green Bay, like they were one of the pass heaviest teams in the NFL. But maybe the answer is like somewhere in between where their league average instead of being like neutral pass rate top five when mm-hmm. Kellen Moore was calling plays. Yeah, there's basically only room to get worse in these right, neutral right. pace and pass rate stats, but I don't think it's going to drop down all that much. And I think the weapons like replacing Dalton Schultz with Brandon Cooks to me is about the same. So I'm just kind of expecting a very similar season to Dak Prescott minus some of the interceptions. He ran very uh, unlucky on these interceptions. He's kind of really pushing the ball there. This defense is very good. So maybe that's one thing where McCarthy might make a change where this defense could even be better this year. Um, I don't see Dak Prescott returning to his pre-injury rushing volume. Maybe they get they use him at the goal line this year because they don't have Zeke, and that could be a potential boost. But I think Dak Prescott at this point is kind of like a quarterback 8 to 12 guy. Um, that's what he's been the last couple of years. Yeah. And while the passing numbers might be slightly less in line, far less, Again, I do want to bring up that what Kellen Moore did with his offense last year, it gave his quarterback answers at like every single turn. Yeah. It notifications of like, hey, if this happens and you go in this direction and often that would equal like massive explosive plays. So even if the passing numbers are similar, I don't know if the design is going to be as good if that makes sense. Um, Next up is Daniel Jones. He is our quarterback 13. I would say this is a a big move up and it's not because it seems like he hasn't missed a single pass at all in training camp and the Giants social team has worked overtime and putting all those out. Um, But man, I'm, I'm a fan of Daniel Jones when I put on my forward thinking hat and consider what the Giants want to be this season because I try to consume as much content out there and especially on Twitter. I think a lot of people are associating last season's average at the target and lack of explosive plays on Daniel Jones as a passer like he's Alex Smith. And that might be true. But I also think maybe it was more that that was the path to success for this team to make the playoffs last year to leverage his rushing ability and to maximize whatever roller coaster of wide receivers they had last year with you know bootlegs, on the move, play action, so on and so forth. 
And it was more of a pass catcher stat because oh, yeah. when you look at it, it's not Mike Kafka and Brian Dable's identity to be soft, to play scared, to play shy. And I think that this year with the additions that they've made, we're going to see them let it loose and attack the field more often. Could not agree more. Just looking at Daniel Jones, just how much Dayball was leaning into Daniel Jones as an athlete. Career high, 44 rushing yards per game. He went from 25 designed runs up to 51. So he doubled in the designed runs. And then he also scrambled from 23 times up to 63 times. I mean, this is all in on the ground game. And, and when we keep talking about fantasy, that rushing production is the, the true difference maker. I also agree that the the dead last in the 20 plus yard passes is the fault of the wide receivers. And your boy Darren Waller is going to stretch the steam a little bit. Jalen Hyatt's coming on as a third rounder. Uh, I think that Isaiah Hodgins is a decent player. They all have Darius Slayton. So the one thing that I'm having a little bit restraint from is they did finish first in turnover rate as a team. They were seventh in red zone touchdown rate. I'm not sure if that holds, but the rest of the offense, like the between the 20s, consistent play i do think the giants are going to look better there right like if they drop from seventh in red zone touchdown success but they have more than three passing touchdowns outside the red zone yeah they might get there yeah right you take a little bit from here and give it over here and it it almost evens out and i think darren waller while he's a tight end helps tremendously in this area i mean he led all tight ends last year in 20 plus yard targets despite playing only nine games and he was second in both 2020 and 2021 and 20 plus yard targets it's going to be a monster in the red zone like we've talked about as well. I'm really excited for uh, maybe even another leap that Daniel Jones can make. And low-key, yeah. a great quarterback runner. A great quarterback runner. Yes, and also a great best ball pick if you're having one of these kind of like oh shit drafts because you can draft Daniel Jones and then stack him up later because all of his wide receivers go after him. A lot of these other quarterbacks, these pocket passers we're, that we're getting to, their wide receivers are go ahead of them. So if you haven't drafted their receivers, why draft them? Yeah, he's going as quarterback 14. We have him as quarterback 12. Uh, that means we have to be slightly lower on someone. And for us, that's Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Um, he's being drafted as quarterback 10. I have him as quarterback 11. Sorry, people. Hayden has him as quarterback 15. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I can repeat this. <laughs> it's just like regression meets scheme on defense meets offensive line issues and the injury risk to a certain degree. I mean, he he has upside. There's no there's no debate about that. He has some upside, but he's not going to be a scrambler. He's not going to win outside the pocket. And there are instances where we've never seen an offense in NFL history basically throw the ball 15 to 20 yards over the middle of the field every single play. I wonder if the NFL defenses are going to start trying to figure that out. So that's my one concern with Tua Tungavailoa. And also, if you haven't drafted Waddle, or Tyreek Hill, I don't see any reason to be drafting Tua because even in your redraft league, you should be stacking. So it's a very like niche time to draft Tua Tungavailoa. And I've been kind of fading uh, Tyreek for some issues. And I've been fading Waddle because of pure regression. And just go back and look at his numbers and what happened from like week right. 12 on. That's the scary stuff. The offense was incredible to start last season. I mean, truly early season success was amazing. Um, but to your point that we're not going to get any rushing from him, that's not going to change because he's not really a creative player. And I know this is going to be boring, but I quickly want to read out his points per game. And just to put that in the context of like how great the offense was and, you know, it didn't equal tons. Sure. 14 points to open, then 41, then 11, then 3.4 injured for two straight games, 
then 16, and you get 29, 24, 23. Then it ends with 16, 16, 13, 18, and 13 again. So like while the offense looked like one of the best in the league through, I don't know, week 10 of last year, there were four, five of those games where Tua was, you know, the guy to help you mm-hmm. win that week. And other than that, it was kind of average. And yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Like the mixture of weirdness towards the end of last year, as you said, with defenses taking the stuff that they were good at away, obviously concussions. But more importantly to me, he just doesn't create. He yeah. doesn't really elevate. And so if that continues into this year, it's just going to be more difficult versus high flying, easy stuff that we got through 10 weeks last year. And like when the defenses were changing for Joe Burrow, I trusted his skill set to adapt to the next change. I think that what the change is going to have to be is either run the ball more, which we wouldn't like for Tua, or throw the ball to the perimeter. And I don't think that he has the arm strength. And even just looking back beyond last year, obviously worst coaching staff, worst weapons, all that stuff. He was a at best league average to bottom half of the league quarterback. So we've seen a small sample of him dominating, but I've seen some of these other guys like Kirk Cousins, for example, put up similar numbers for like multiple years at least. Well, I'm going to trump uh, Kirk Cousins as the next one, and I'm going to force Geno Smith into being our quarterback 14 here um, because what Geno Smith did last year, and I know that this is going to be sound weird to all the Dolphins fans in a <laughs> small sample size of just one season, but I firmly believe that Geno Smith is for real. Like the downfield aggression that he showed, the pre-snap calls to put people in the right place, the difficult pockets that he waded through, a rusher in his face, he still fired down the field. Again, he had to do the difficult stuff last year and a bunch of young offensive linemen he was working behind. He did it at a really high level. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of that stuff just becomes a bit easier this year, especially when you spend a first-round pick on the number one wide receiver in this class when you know last year the Seahawks – were just an 11 personnel 63% of the time, which was 26th in the league. And now you just get more weapons on the field. Again, I know it's just 17 games. I think Geno Smith is here to stay in this environment. And he was, they were as a team, they were 28th in red zone touchdown rate. So there's a chance that that gets better. We talked about DK Metcalf being a regression candidate. Uh, that would play into it. Geno Smith, if you watch his tape, I think on a consistent basis, he plays better football than Tua straight up. And he is way more accurate, which is scary because Tua is really accurate. You can make an argument that, that Geno Smith is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And that sounds crazy. He will toss some interceptions. He will be too aggressive for his playing style. His offensive line has a chance to be kind of rough at times. Maybe gets a little bit better this year, but I'm with you. They just played so fast and they passed the ball so much. And that was before having JSN and Zach Charbonnet, two different pass catchers. So, I think I'm just trusting what the tape and some of the advanced metrics were showing me about Geno Smith. Right. I don't think he's going to be able to jump this tier, but if you're looking at it, like who's going to stay in this tier, I actually think that Geno's floor is way higher than given credit for. And I already know the YouTube comments are going to come for us. And but what could change from last year? Like last year, they scored on so many explosive plays to the point, and Rich Rebar pointed this out. He ran just 18 plays, the Seahawks did, from inside the five yard line last season, which is the fewest in the NFL. Um, the rate of touchdowns outside of the red zone was super high, but then the red zone touchdown rate was just 27th last season. So like it changes, especially when you yeah. get Jackson Smith and Jigba into mm-hmm. the fold and the final stat. And this stood out to me only Patrick Mahomes 
matched Geno Smith in games last season with multiple passing touchdowns with 12. Patrick Mahomes is being drafted as quarterback one. Geno Smith is being drafted as quarterback 15. Yeah. First, first in completion percentage over expected in the entire league out of nowhere. Next up is Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'll give you the floor on this one. I, I'm, I am a fan of Kirk Cousins. I will say, Hayden, my only hesitation is that this is almost certainly his last year in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a possible storyline drawback here. Like a Derek Carr kind of situation from last year. The difference is, could you name the quarterback two for the Vikings? Who are they benching him for? That they're, I mean, I just think that we're going to ride this thing out and they're going to be somewhat competitive. Kirk Cousins, he's been a borderline quarterback one for the last two years. You're not breaking out of that. So this is a break glass in case of emergency type of situation. But I do think that there's a chance that with Hawkinson there and with Addison replacing Thielen that this uh, skill group even gets better than what it was last year. O'Connell's a quarterback guy. They're going to play with so much pace. They're going to pass the ball all over the yard. Dome environment. The division I don't think is very good. Uh, The defense isn't going to be good. They're going to be blitzing a ton with Flores there. The defense still sucks. Special teams still suck. So like there's no other option but for Kirk Cousins to do that little dance on the plane. Also, Kirk Cousins quietly way more jacked than you would think. Like we (laughs) give the crap to like these quarterbacks and then you see like Kirk Cousins with like a freaking eight pack and big biceps uh, enough already. All right. There's one more quarterback in this tier and it's Aaron Rodgers now part of the New York Jets. Fair to say, uh, a weird season. And this might go back to what I just said about Kirk Cousins. Probably knew it was his last year in Green Bay. And what you got was a guy who either took shot plays or checked it down. And there was like no middle ground and like didn't trust his wide receivers in the middle field. Granted, he wasn't throwing to, you know, Justin Jefferson and company. He was throwing to a bunch of young pass catchers and rookies. Um, with that said, even back with Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know exactly what we are going to get from Aaron Rodgers this year. If it was more 2022 or MVP candidate stuff from Aaron Rodgers in the past. Yeah, this one, there's no tape or stats that are going to get you here. It's he was coming off his second worst yards per attempt year ever. His third worst touchdown rate year. He's going to be 40 years old. But at the same time, he did seem a little bit checked out in Green Bay. And he's apparently loves everything about the Jets. Uh, He's been taking some inspiration from Tom Brady. I think the Tom Brady bounce back years are pretty unattainable because of the offensive line differences. Um, Also, Tom Brady's pretty damn good himself. But I I could see a path where all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is like somewhere back in the top five MVP discussion. And like, you're not getting that from a lot of the players in this tier. So we had to squeeze them in here. Um, I think the offensive line is an issue that the Jets are going to have to somewhat try to address, but they need like just their upside offensive linemen to get on the field. And that just has not been the case so far. Yeah. And last year he was thrown who's good to Christian Watson, but that's not Devontae Adams. And mainly maybe Garrett Wilson can be like closer to a Mm -hmm. Devontae Adams alpha type for him. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm nervous about those two tackles. Nervous about the two tackles. I know it, it does seem like while he still has unreal placement on sale passes, vertical shots, all that stuff, like still among the elite across the league, he didn't want to take shots last year, mm-hmm. just did not want to do it. And that might happen a bit more often now. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's going to do it for these tiers. Again, we have names like Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr in the next tier. 
followed by Brock Purdy, Bryce Young, names like that. But go and check out our quarterback sleepers video on the four, yeah, four of our favorites after pick 120, after the start of round 10, uh, if you are looking to draft quarterbacks that far away. And go and watch our other tiers videos too on running backs, wide receivers, do all that good stuff. Uh, about 70% of you that watch these videos are not subscribed. So Terrible. change that. Change that. You want to stick with us for the next month ahead of your drafts and then through the first month of the NFL season two because all we care about is helping you win in fantasy football. All right. Up the fella. We'll talk to y'all soon.